what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. I am one of the aforementioned Brothers in Tech. My name is Alan Jackson, uh, and with me, another Brother in Tech. Actually, it's my only other true Brother in Tech. But I have many I am your favorite brother. We, we have you to are my that. favorite. Well, if we go on birth, like meaning true birth brother, like, you know, yes, you are my favorite. Okay. Well, let's, let's stick we, with that. Yeah. If we broaden it out to other people I consider brothers, almost like brothers to me, people who mean a lot to, to me in my life, um, you, you're on the list somewhere on there. I haven't done ranking in a while. I'm not <laughs> sure where you would fall. <laughs> well, if I'm on the list, then that's a step up, right? That's that's actually a little better than you I thought. Are, you so. are charting at this point on some level. I just don't know. Uh, you might have fallen off the top charts at one point or another, mm-hmm. but right now, right now you're doing okay, Brian. Charting, I, uh, I'm not trending. I'm not trending right now. That's what you're no, saying. No, no, oh, no, 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 <laughs> absolutely not. No, you're definitely not trending. There is no upward movement on the chart at the moment, so... No, in all seriousness, is is my brother Brian Brian Jackson? How you doing, Brian? Uh, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay, except for you know the discussion we just had. That's that's kind of you know bumming me out a little bit, but that's okay. Actually, you know, that's what I expected. So you know, I mean, I thought I might be trending a little bit, you know, coming and contributing here a little bit, but listen, it's a whatever. competitive list. I, I just want to be honest yeah. with you. It's very very competitive. Yeah. So Brian, really? don't feel bad. Really, don't feel bad that you're not on my true heartfelt brothers list you're you're just there uh on the on the birth brother list which you know yeah. you do you do reign on you are the only birth brother i have so uh, uh so okay. your other brother list does it include like the guy that pumped your gas last week and you know oh you uh, mean jim yeah yeah jim <laughs> <Jim's on> your- <laughs> uh, all right yeah yeah jim's oh jim's great <laughs> You, you really Jim, should beat Jim. <laughs> Jim's trending. Jim is trending really, really well right now. <laughs> I think Jim's number four with a bullet right now. He is moving up the charts. So uh, you, sh- you uh, should meet him. You'd, you'd really like him. <laughs> maybe I'll make his list. You know, let me, I'll, I'll work on that. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, if we've done enough brother bashing for the, let's actually get into what we're here to talk about, if that's okay. What uh, are we I, talking uh, about today? What is that? So we're talking technology is what we do. Oh, oh, we, uh, oh okay. Yeah. Yeah. So brothers in tech, our show where we get together and after we've ribbed each other a little bit, we do talk technology, mainly technology for your family or home technology. You know, we may dabble in the business technology a little bit, but really our, our, our focus here is to talk about technologies that people can use in their own personal lives, you know, helping improve personal home family technology. We've been talking, Brian, for the last three weeks uh, of episodes about video, video, uh, digital video on your computer, mobile phones with your uh, video cameras. And we kind of going to bring it home today where we're talking video editing. So the idea is that You've listened to our previous episodes. You've gotten really good at shooting video with either your camera phone or your dedicated camcorder. Um, 
And now you're ready to do something with it because, you know, footage is great. I mean, you can show somebody your footage, your raw footage and say, look, here's some stuff I shot. And that speaks for itself. That's good. But sometimes you really want to tell a story with what you're trying to shoot. And that requires editing and that requires taking pieces of video, maybe adding photos and music and other things to it and making some sort of presentation uh, that you can share with other people. And that's really where video editing comes into play. So Brian, I'm going to talk through a lot of this. I know you've had some experience (laughs) in some video editing, but uh, I also understand it's not what you do every day, which it is for me. I I have my video editing software up every single hour of every single day I work in just about. So yeah, this is, this has been your domain. This has been your domain and I've, it's been good. I've been learning, learning a little bit, which, you know, doesn't always happen when I talk with you. So, uh, this is, this is kind of nice to, to have you, uh, be the teacher of this process. So I am looking forward to hearing more about, uh, editing, uh, because my use of video editing is, is super rudimentary. So, um, yep. looking to see what, what I could do or whether or not there's any need for me to do anymore. So, well, this is the last episode in this, in this topic of video. So after this week, um, I'm probably going to be regaled back to the, just the, uh, just the avid listener or maybe slightly interjecting some things. I got a feeling the next couple topics you may be schooling me on as we yes. get into but, um, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. So eager. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's get into video editing. Let's talk video editing. Let's talk the mechanics, the basics, and and get through some some essential information first. So again, kind of set the scene, Brian. You you are someone who has gotten really good or at least competent in going out and shooting video on your camera. Whatever type of camera it may be, mobile phone or dedicated camcorder, doesn't matter. So you've got a lot of footage. Um, Now the question is, what do you do with it? Uh, first thing we're going to do, regardless of what type of video you're going to make, regardless of what type of video editing you want to do, there's a couple things you got to go ahead and think about now. Okay. Number one is I'll go ahead and tell you video editing on a computer takes some horsepower. It takes some, some specs on your computer. I mean, you're not going to be happy with, uh, a little, uh, Chromebook you know, trying to edit video. It's not going to do it. You're not going to be happy with a super low end, very, very minimal laptop or very, very minimal desktop computer. Um, because as we mentioned in previous episodes, you know, most of us now are shooting video at a higher quality level. Some people even shooting 4k by default, meaning when you pull out your cell phone and you shoot video, it could be shooting 4k video. So that's great for shooting and it looks really sharp, but when it comes to editing, those are some monster big files and you got to have the horsepower on a computer to deal with it. Okay. So I'll go ahead and tell people right now, if you're looking to get into video editing, but you have a very slower, lower end, older laptop or computer that you want to do it on, you you probably are going to run into some frustrations uh, just trying to get them the files into there to edit. And then the speed of editing uh, of your computer keeping up with it. It's going to be going to be a real challenge, Brian. And now um, just to confirm, is that because of the size of the file or is it because of the processes or both? So if I yeah. took a really, really small file that was not made in high quality, is editing still going to require a lot of horsepower? It will still require a lot of horsepower, but you will find better performance. The, yeah. the smaller your video files are, the less the sp- the smaller the quality yep. by the same token, if all you're wanting to do is take a piece of video that you shot and just trim it, 
you know, trim some off the beginning, some mm-hmm. trim some off the end. You don't need the highest end computer to do that. Just realize it's probably going to take a lot of time to yeah. uh, trim it and save it out. Um, if you are planning on doing video editing on any kind of regular basis, whether it's home videos where you just want to take family footage you're shooting and put it together into a nice little montage or have it in a, in a format that you can share with other people online, um, you need to pay attention to what kind of uh, computer processor and RAM and graphics card and storage, all those things on your computer. Because video editing is one of those processes that will tax as many of those as you can throw at it. Um, it will use the processor. It will use your RAM. <laughs> it will use any graphics card you've got. And it will definitely try to want to use as much storage as it can to store all the files it's going to work on. So video editing is really one of those processes that really does affect every element of your computer when you're ready to use it. Um, uh, Brian, just for record, I've got a, a nice MacBook Pro um, that I use as my primary work computer. It's only two years old. It's a good, really high quality. It's kind of maxed out on all the specs. And uh, I do video editing all the time. But sure enough, uh, I will still get spinning at times. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sometimes my hard drive will run low on on space. Um, So, you know, it takes some some horsepower to really make the editing process smooth and and a positive experience for you. Yeah. It It seems that that's the case with lots of editing software, whether it's movie editing, whether it's photo editing, if you're doing very high, uh, you know, raw images, right? That anything that's going and taking media and trying to convert it to something else, right? While also showing you what it's doing in real time, that seems to be the big challenge, right? Now, Alan, you've so far, you've mentioned, you've talked about computers, but video editing can happen on a tablet, right? And some of the tablets now are actually really, really True. powerful. Right. But yeah. not a typical tab, not an old school tablet. Right. We're not talking. No, no. I, I think it would have to be definitely a very, a very recent tablet uh, mm-hmm. that's really heavy on graphics performance. I mean, obviously the iPads are great. You know, if you get an iPad pro or even just a, a, a newer standard iPad, you can do video editing on those. And I mean, I'm definitely not trying to put that down at all. There's our, you can do that. And uh, probably this this more entry level editing that I'm going to talk about in a minute is where you can perform that even on a phone. You could do it yep. on a phone yep. or a tablet. Um, just I think what what you find yourself is you're going to be limited to the footage in most parts that you shot on that device because um, otherwise you've got to try to share it over any kind of shared cloud service and get it into that tablet and all those editing tools are really meant for hey I've got a bunch of media on my camera roll that I've already shot. And I want to do something with it. I want yep. to edit with yep. it. The tablets, especially iPads, are not really that adept at bringing footage from another place into it. Uh, you can do it. It just takes some extra work. And uh, But if you're shooting all your stuff on a iPhone or a camera phone or a, 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 a Galaxy phone, and then you want to use the built-in editing software like iMovie or whatever the tools may be on your on your mobile phone, then that'll work great. You can certainly do that if you're okay editing in a mobile environment and using a small screen to do it. So, yeah. And exporting that out of that phone, you may have some challenges, right? Getting it into a different way. But I mean, what you're saying is that when you took that that video on the phone, it is now optimized for being able to play with that video on the phone. Everything about that editing software 
and then, you know, but you're certainly going to be limited small screen uh, ability to be able to navigate different editing things. So Alan, for, for someone who doesn't do this very much, let's say that I, I all I want to do is I, I recorded a video or a, um, uh, a series of videos, and I just want to go in and crop them because that seems to be one of the biggest concerns as you take a video. Oftentimes, the very first part of that video or the ending where you've reached out and touched the phone to start and stop it, you know, you have some um, uh, shaking of the, the, the video itself. Mm-hmm. So what's the what's the bare bones? What's the yeah. bare bones that I can use to do that? So bare bones, um, if you are shooting video on your camera phone, uh, your camera app, where you actually pull back up to look at your photos and videos, will typically have some basic, basic editing features in it. One of those being to trim. So you could say, all right, I shot this video, but I don't like the first 10 seconds because I'm getting the camera position and I, whatever. You can open that that video up in your photos app or your 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 photo or video viewer on your phone, whatever tool you use to watch them. And I know at least on the iPhone, and I believe it's the case that's going to be on the Galaxy as well, yep. is you can do some basic editing. And by that, it may be turning it to black and white, um, adding some filters to it, um, but also trimming. You know, say I want to start it here and I want to end it here. Yep. And then you can trim that clip and then that's the new clip you have to work with and you can share and show to others. So that is at its bare minimum, that is basic editing. If you are doing this on a computer, um, I know on the Mac, there is a tool that you actually mentioned as a, as a pick quite a while back, which is QuickTime Player. It is an application on your Mac operating system. So if you had a video on your Mac that you were looking to trim at the basic level, QuickTime Player will actually do that. And you can open the video file in QuickTime Player as long as it's compatible, which most, most, uh, most formats nowadays shot will be. And then when you open up the video, you can play it, but you can also use the trim function in QuickTime Player to go in and trim it the same way. Trim uh, endpoint, outpoint, when it starts, when it stops. And then when you save it as a new movie with those, that trimmed movie. So again, at that point, you have edited video. But that is, again, the, the probably the most basic uh, starting point to do so. Um, so you, know, you can do it on your phone. You can do it on your tablet. You can do it on your computer very easily. The and question people, becomes... Yeah. Most people, it's kind of interesting. Most people think, and this used to be the case with Windows too. I think Windows had their own media player that also had the simple way of just trimming mm-hmm. off a little bit. But people think, oh, I have QuickTime Player, but that's only to play videos. But can actually do some really cool things. And I think, I, as you said, I mentioned it before, but just a reminder, that's an app where if you wanted to record your screen and you wanted to do a screen recorder, I've been using that a lot lately as a, as a teacher where I have something that I didn't cover in class and I wanted to really quickly show them how to do a particular thing. I'll just pull up QuickTime, say new screen recording, go. It records my voice. It records whatever's happening on the screen. It even highlights the, the mouse, the clicks, and then great, you're done. You do a quick little edit, trim the front and back. And so I think the trimming, the recording, but I think the other piece about editing that I think is kind of, for me, someone who uses a very low end is the exporting, right? Mm-hmm. So I recorded this, but I want to share it in a very, very low, low size mm-hmm. file and QuickTime will do that. You'll be able to export out as a, a really small video as a parent compared to a big honking video uh, that you may have shot it in, right? So yeah. it seems like to me, if I'm not mistaken, those are the two things that 
that's kind of the easiest way to, to, to edit. You don't need any other creative things. You've got that built into your computer or phone already, right? Very true. That's right. And I'll even say QuickTime Player, another thing I, I it, it does that I love if we're talking editing is um, you can, when you save out a video, if you open up a video in QuickTime Player, you can actually do an export of just the audio mm. and it turns it into an audio MP4 file or MP3 file, which is great. Sometimes if you recorded, if you have a, you recorded something, but all you really need is the audio from it. You're doing a narration for something or you're doing some sort of audio file you want to send to somebody. Yeah. It's great that, you know, sometimes when you pull a video off from YouTube or uh, somebody sends you a video and you just need the audio, it will, it will do that as well. So it's, it's a great little tool and it is built into the Mac operating system. If you have a Mac computer, you have QuickTime player. And don't be fooled by the term player, because like you said, it will do a little bit more than just play your videos. Yeah. Um, you're right. Windows uh, has like a media player that will do some of that real basic functionality as well. Um, however, Windows has changed recently where Windows now, if you want to edit a video uh, that you shot that's in your photo library or your video library on Windows, you actually go to the Photos app, which, again. Yeah, a little confusing there. You know, it's not something I would have picked offhand, but if you go into your photos app, um, that's where you can now edit your videos. Now, I guess it's kind of the same way that the iPhone works, where it's the camera roll or the photos yeah. where you're seeing your videos. So I'm mimicking that a little bit. It's just on a desktop. It's, it's a little odd for me to look at it that way, but that's where you go to kind of work on your videos that you shot as well. So it'll let you do the trimming and some basic editing there as well. And that is a, program built into windows. So if you have a modern version of windows, you have Microsoft photos, which is now their photo and video management and editing software. That's for free. And we'll do the basic functionality that we're talking about with trimming and maybe some very, very simple effects on it as well. Hmm. Cool. Right. Now let's, let's move up a step. Okay. Let's say Brian, that it's not just trimming video that you want to do. You actually want to do some editing. You want to put pieces together to tell a story. You want to put pieces together to make a presentation and you're going to use some video clips. You may use some photographs and maybe some titles and maybe let's, let's say music uh, for good measure. Uh, a great little travelogue. You got a whole couple hours worth of footage you shot on a recent trip. You want to put it together into like a little two, three minute montage of some different shots and maybe take some photographs to mix in there as well. Well, for those kind of applications, there are two, uh, well, the Photos app on Microsoft, the Microsoft Photos, will actually do some of that more editing of things as well. So it's a great tool for truly editing basic video. Um, you can basically put clips together. You can do transitions between them, like dissolves and all. You can add some music in. You can add a, a theme of how you want the transitions to look and the style of the video. So it does give you some of that basic editing functionality. Again, that's a free app that comes on Windows now. On the Mac, you had QuickTime Player for basic, basic functionality, yeah. but then iMovie is kind of <clears> their <throat> software, which is, that is also free. It comes with every Mac. And that's a little higher level where you're actually going to edit a video. It'll let you scan all the videos and, and photos on your current library and your, on your Mac. And then you can pull them in and you can do things like cutting pieces together. You can trim pieces and put them one after another and make the kind of editing that you want to do for a, a nice polished piece. 
I've seen Brian some really outstandingly well-made videos edited on iPhoto or i iMovie. Mm-hmm. So it's not like some Mickey Mouse, you know, just for basic only. You can do a lot with it. it there are some limitations. It is definitely meant more for the consumer for ease of use. So if you're a casual video editor where you just want to do something for fun, iMovie is probably going to give you everything you need to do and, and it lets you have fun doing it. Um, I would say if you're someone who has used iMovie and find it to be limiting or find it to be uh, not as flexible as you'd like, then you need to continue listening to our next options up. But um, you used iMovie, Brian? Yeah, I, I, not in a long time. Uh, it's, it's funny. I, I did more video early on, uh, used it for instructional videos, that sort of thing. And wanted to, to add titles, transitions. And yeah, I, iMovie, I think is, was incredibly easy to use. Um, it seemed like it was, it, well, I don't have that much experience with lots of different video editing software, but it seems like they all have the same basic standard that when you're, you're jumping up to this level, you're going to see a timeline that has different streams of information, right? You can have an audio stream, you can have one video, you can have another video. And basically organizing those so that that whole timeline is what you want to progress through. And I thought, you know, iMovie was pretty easy. Early on, I thought maybe it was really a little clunky where you had to import all these, you know, video clips into the tray and then start to drag them in and everything. But um, the last time I used it, and actually I will say the last time I used iMovie was on a, uh, was on my phone and it was super slick to be able to do limited Right. Limited on what you could do on the phone, but yeah, super slick. So uh, easy. Well, again, to I think it's going to, it's, it's going to accommodate a lot of you know, both window Microsoft photos on windows and the iMovie on, on Mac will accommodate most of everybody's personal video needs. You know, do you just need to record or edit uh, you doing a presentation to the camera, you talking to the mm-hmm. camera, but you want to have a title come up below you or before you and after you, and you want to play a little music down below you. You can do all that in both of those those programs we're talking about, so you don't have to invest any extra money. You, you it's ready to go. Um, I you know iMovie for me, I I use it occasionally only if I know I need something kind of quick and simple and just for personal use, and I don't want to fire up my big video editing software. I just want to kind of get something done quickly. The problem is is that once you get really used to one video software, video editing software, it's really hard to switch to another. I found yeah. anyway for me. So when I open up iMovie, I actually feel like I'm in a foreign land because it's a different tool than what I'm used to. Um, but if you use it enough, I think you, it becomes second nature to you. So Alan, tell me though that, so that, that is the extent of my experience, right? Was iMovie is probably the level that, that I have, have gone to. So what am I missing? So what, yeah. what kind of thing do I need? What, what, what would I want to do to a video or to create or edit a video that I would be limited on iMovie that I know I need to move to the next level. What kind of things yeah. are we looking at? So I think biggest thing is um, a lot of different sources of media, a lot of different op- uh, media pieces that you want to work with. The, you know, the iMovie and the Microsoft photos are great for more. I, I call it a little more straightforward, you know, cut, 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 or shot, shot, shot with some music or titles on top. You know, sometimes we're looking at something where we need a lot more control, a lot more flexibility. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, also, if we've got multiple video layers going on simultaneously, where you've got multi- video on top of video, and either it's 
you know, split screen between them. You've got uh, maybe transparent video on top mm. of other video. A lot of times where you really need to layer things together or you really need to add more complexity to the video. Um, also, some of the filters and effects you can apply to your videos. You, you may find the ones that are kind of the presets in iMovie to be a little limiting. So that may be an option to look as well. And also audio control. If you really want to get very, very specifically on editing audio or applying some effects to your audio to make it better, you're going to have a lot more flexibility if you move up to the next level. So, and really when we talk about that next level, Brian, I mean, there are a lot of video editing software out there that you can buy. Um, There's at least a list of a dozen I can think of right now that are active software that's being sold that is meant for editing video. And they're going to give you a lot of capabilities. They're going to give you a lot of uh, abilities to control your video. But I'm going to really hone in on two because even though there's a lot of applications out there, I think that the, the gold standard for most people are one of these two that I'm going to mention. And it's also big companies that have been developing these two software applications for a really long time. And that is Adobe. Adobe, uh, with their creative cloud suite and all their assortment of apps, they have one called Premiere Pro. And that is their high level. This is your video editing software. If you really want to truly edit video and you need more than the out of the box, a little more uh, elementary editing that you do in, a, in an iMovie or in Microsoft Photos. And then you have Apple Final Cut Pro X, which is Apple's professional level video editing software. Now, you know, people may get scared away by the term professional because that's really how they're, they're labeled, both uh, um, Adobe Premiere Pro, Final Cut Pro. Really all we're saying is this is just the high level of video editing, but I dare say that if you are comfortable with editing an iMovie, you can move up to a Final Cut Pro and it's not going to completely overwhelm you, I don't feel like nowadays, because they have made Final Cut Pro a little more prosumer, a little more consumer friendly than it had been in the past. And um, it's still got a lot of bells and whistles. It's got a lot of details you can get into, but somebody casually opening up Final Cut Pro or Premiere Pro now that's done any basic video editing on any other tool, I think is going to get it. And I think can actually be pretty productive on it pretty quickly because both companies have worked to make it as accessible as possible. Hmm. Uh, first version of Final Cut Pro that came out. No, I wouldn't wish that on anybody <laughs> that had never really edited high level video because it was, it was a lot, there's a lot going on. Uh, now it has streamlined a little bit in the tool, even to the point where some professionals are actually kind of angry that they feel like Final Cut Pro has been dumbed down too much mm, yeah. for them. I, I'm not to that point. I feel like I can do everything I need to do in Final Cut Pro. Um, so I feel like it's at a great spot. Um, but Premiere Pro by Adobe and Final Cut Pro X by Apple are kind of the two, the two that everybody goes to or at least considers the default. Now you have a lot of other tools out there. There's one called DaVinci that has a product called Resolve. That's their higher end, really, really pro level editor. Several others out there too that are really meant for true professionals. They are doing this day in, day out for bigger productions. But again, I feel like if, if you've outgrowing your uh, Microsoft Photos app or your iMovie, um, Adobe Premiere Pro or Apple Final Cut Pro are going to be the next level you want to you jump up to. <clears throat> and Adobe's uh, uh, subscription-based now. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but Apple Final Cut is a, is a purchase. It's a purchase. Person? I think it's $200. Yeah. Okay. If I remember correctly, which, I mean, believe me, 
this used to be software that was over a thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, so it is very affordable now. I think it's one ninety nine. I, okay. you know, I bought it so long ago, and that's what's crazy about Final Cut Pro as well. You know, it used to be we had to deal with uh, this kind of software getting updated every couple of years, and you had to buy upgrades to it to get the latest version. Uh, I buy Final Cut Pro. I bought it six years ago, maybe, and. I haven't had to pay again for it since then. Mm. It's just constantly upgraded uh, automatically for you. And then if we go over to Adobe Creative uh, Cloud with Premiere Pro, that's a monthly subscription. So you may only be t- paying 10 to $20 a month to get access to that app. So again, they've made video editing at a high level very, very affordable uh, on both both sides. Yeah. I'll just jump in really quick to add one thing to this, which you know be the only thing I probably can add, but it's two ninety nine. Okay, $300. Yeah. It's, it's a little on the pricey still, side. Yeah, but, but still, again, if you're really serious about doing video editing, <clears throat> uh, whether you're a kind of what I consider a prosumer, meaning you're just doing it for personal purposes, but you want something a little higher quality, or you're actually going to start doing something work related with it, 300 bucks is not a bad investment yeah. to invest in basically years worth of a software that you're going to be able to use. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so I think both are great. And I'm not, I'm not here to recommend one or the other. At this point, Premiere Pro, Final Cut Pro, I think are generally considered on par with one another. Uh, it's really more of a personal preference. If you're really tight in the Apple ecosystem, you really love everything Apple, you have all your media stored on iCloud, and you, you know, you're just really tied into that system, then I think Final Cut Pro you'll really enjoy because it is tied into the Mac platform very nicely. If you use Photoshop and other Adobe apps quite a bit and you're really comfortable with the Adobe platform, then and you're already a Creative Cloud subscriber, for example, then yeah, Premiere Pro makes perfect sense and you're going to be fine going that direction too. So Cool. Yeah. So I think the biggest key is, you know, once you've decided that you want to jump into video editing or, or, or push ahead with that, making sure you've got that capable computer that's going to be able to power it. And luckily, anything made in the last one to two years computer-wise, is is going to be fine for editing some level of videos. So it's not like you're going to be stuck where you can't even edit any form of video on anything modern computer. It's really when you have a computer that's more than a couple years old, if it's already running slow, if you already notice that you can't open up a lot of things at the same time, it's not going to be an ideal computer for you to edit video on, is a, a general rule of thumb. Then you pick the, the software, which again, you've got kind of three levels. You've got the most rudimentary. I just want to cut and edit or trim my video. Uh, then you move up to, I want to make a video, but I want to do it very easily without a lot of headache. And then you've got your, I want to go to the higher level. I want to actually make something that's really more professional level, higher quality. and I want a lot of control over it. So you have three good levels to work with when you're doing your video editing. Alan, one quick question before I, I knew we're, uh, we're going to kind of move along to some uh, process-oriented uh, ideas, but so are all of these video editors? Do they have their own uh, file type? So when you drop in your video to be able to do things to it, are you now in a a new file type to where you couldn't move to another? So I could could I move from Premiere Pro and take that over to Final Cut Pro and do some other things with it? Yeah. So you can take the footage. Yes. Yep. Um, because it, it, you know, when you bring footage into either, either application, uh, it's basically going to use that footage and it's going to either refer to wherever that footage is on your computer 
or it's going to try to import that footage into its own own library, just depending on how you want to set it up. And the the file formats are going to be ones that you could take and move to another platform. There's also something where you can export your project timeline as a file and import it into another program. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so there are, there is some cross compatibility. Um, I will say it could get a little hairy. I yeah. mean, I'll just be honest. Yeah. If you're going to hop from final cut to premiere, or you're going to go from iMovie over to a windows. Yeah. It's, it's hairy. You got a lot of footage that you need to move over. You got to put them in the right places that they were before. You got to make sure your prod, your video project can reference where that media is in the right location. So it's, it's a, it's a tough process, but it can be done. Yeah. So you're not really locked in on a software for like years to come. If you don't want to be, there are some ways to move projects and footage from one software application to another. But you would, you would probably suggest if you're looking at different video types, you do a trial of several of them at once, maybe create the same project, try to see which fl- workflow works a little better for you oh, absolutely. Yeah. and then start to commit to one as opposed to trying to toy between these things because yeah, it's going to be kind of hard to go cross with the same project, right? It, 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 it's not impossible, but it is yeah. tricky. Yeah. It's not something I would look forward to doing. So yeah. um, it's kind of the way I look at it. So I think you do have to make a little bit of decision when you're jumping into software, kind of where you want to be. And again, uh, people ask too, it should it matter if it's on a Mac computer or Windows, what edits software, what edits video better? Nowadays, it doesn't matter. I mean, a Windows, a good powered Windows computer or laptop is going to edit video just as good as a Mac does. So um, it used to be Macs were kind of the ones you would want to use for video editing, but those days have gone as far as uh, there's a lot more parity between the two for sure. Okay. So Brian, I'm, I, I need to get some water and take a little break. So, uh, because you know, when you have to carry the whole episode, it's uh, exhausting. I'm sure it, yeah, is, I, it is very, very tiring. So no, I, need I, I, I had about nine months of that. So yeah, I understand. I understand carrying, uh, carrying the podcast. <laughs> you understand my need to, for us to take a little short break. Yes, and yes. when we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit about the process of video editing. Like, okay, regardless of software, regardless of what level, what is the overall process of editing video look like? And then we're going to talk about some tips, kind of some things to keep in mind as you're editing video that I think will help. And then we're going to end the episode with our picks of the episode, which we call our bits, the brothers in tech suggestions, a software or product we want to recommend related to today's topic that we uh, think people ought to check out. So let's go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, we'll cover all those things. Uh, Stay tuned. You are listening to Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.TV. We'll be back in just a moment. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Hello and welcome back to Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.tv. Alan and Brian Jackson here with you, as always, talking over an aspect of technology for the home or family. Uh, and, uh, you know, I didn't even mention at the beginning of the show because I feel like we, we always kind of repeat it. But I do like reminding people that, um, you know, if you are that go-to IT person in your family, if you're the one that receives the phone calls or the notes, how do I do this? I think I broke something. How do I turn this on? 
uh, we're, we, we hear you, we, we feel you, we are here for you. And, uh, that is part of the reason we started doing the show as well is to kind of be a resource for those of you already in the same roles we are, or maybe you realize you're relying on somebody else for your tech a little too much. And, uh, you want to be a little more self-reliant. Hopefully yep. we can help share some knowledge with you on that. So. We're here to, we're here to extend the, extend a hand and, uh, the hand. you know, help you join the, join the brother or sisterhood here. So yeah, this is, this is good. Well, Go, Brian, let's get back to video editing then as we kind of were talking about earlier. We, we talked about what you need. We talked about software products and options you have for software to, uh, to, to actually start editing software or editing videos. Now let's kind of talk through what actually the process looks like. So in other words, whether you're using Windows uh, Photos or Microsoft Photos, whether you're using iMovie, whether you're using even Final Cut or Premiere Pro or anything, this process is, I think, basically the same. So I want to kind of talk through that a little bit. Um, and I, this is, I mean, this is the way all of us have to kind of envision a, a, a video project whenever we start working on it. Doesn't matter if it's a short little YouTube video, doesn't matter if it's a home travel log or a high-end music video or commercial or, or training video. So uh, it's the same idea. Okay. Um, you are creating a project when you edit a video and now different software products may call it different words, but the idea is the same. It's a project and a project in video editing contains several pieces. It's going to contain the footage that you shoot, whether on your camera phone or on your camcorder, or maybe footage somebody sent to you. It's going to take your footage. It's going to take any photos that you want to use in your project. It's going to take any music or audio clips you're going to want to use in your project. And it brings it all together into a project. And uh, again, the terminology may be different in different places, but it's the same idea. And when you create that project, uh, typically you're going to be able to choose the settings for that project. And by that, I mean, is this a project that is going to be a 4k video that, you know, I want to bring in footage. And then at the end of the day, this video is going to be a 4k master video. I'm going to push back out. Or is it going to be some other size? Um, is it going to be at 30 frames per second, you know, or versus 60 frames or anything else? All things we talked about on specs when shooting video, you have to kind of think about that for your project too. I've seen it happen too many times. <coughs> Excuse me. I did obviously did not get enough water during the break. You know, I'm I'm on the West Coast and we have fires here. You have no excuse, right? I'm the one that should be coughing over here. But no, you're right. Actually, you're you're very true on that. Yeah. So, and uh, no, uh, no wildfires out here on the East Coast. But uh, uh, we are obviously thinking about you guys on the West Coast. I know it's some rough stuff right now. So, um, if you're 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 bringing the footage in, I've seen this happen before, where somebody has some beautiful 4K footage. Okay. They know how to shoot it on their phone and like, I'm going to bring it into my, my video editor and it's going to be great. But they set their video project as <clears throat> 720 HD. A lot of these software products are going to basically then try to re-render your footage to match whatever your project is. So in other words, it's going to take your beautiful 4K footage and knock it down to 720 when you get ready to export it and send it out. So you do need to pay a little attention to kind of what project you're setting up. It's a little setup you got to do just to make sure it's the right settings for your project, mainly resolution and frame rate that you want to have. 
And at that point, once you've got a project ready to go, it's bringing, you got to bring in your footage. You got to import your, your media. And that media could be footage you shot, somebody else shot, could be photographs that you have, um, music clips, anything else. It has to be imported into your project. Now, if you use a, a tool like an iMovie or Microsoft Photos, the good news is that it's already directly going to connect with your photo library or your media uh, library of some sort. So if you shot your video on your iPhone and you've got it synced up to your iCloud, then by the time it gets synced to your iCloud and you go to open up iMovie, it will be seen as an option that, oh, hey, I see there's some video footage up in your iMovie library or your iCloud library. You want me to pull that in? Is that one you want to work with? So it's a nice ecosystem for that. But sometimes you just have footage you shot on a camcorder and you need to bring that footage into your computer. Um, normally you have to do that by importing from a smart media card or maybe hooking the camera directly up to your laptop or computer and importing it that way. It's going to vary based on where you're shooting it, but some way or another, you have to get that media footage you shot into your computer so you can start working on it for editing. All right. Um, just an important step, you know, to make sure everything comes together. Uh, think about what all you're going to want to have in this project, this final video you're going to edit, what type of sources, what type of resources, and go ahead and start working on bringing them together into one place. Now, people may skip over this next step on the process, and I get it because I've skipped over it as well, too. But it does save you a lot of time and headache if you spend some energy organizing the media you've got. Let me give you an example, Brian. So if I went out and shot, let's say you and I were doing a video, and I wanted to shoot a video of you, Brian, giving a speech, okay? Um, but then we're going to do, we're going to have you do the opening part of the speech. And I do, we, we tried that about five times. I got five takes of you shooting the opening of the video. And then I've got another five takes of you shooting the end of the video. Okay. If I just import all this footage, you know, from my camera right into the, 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 the editing software, I'm going to have 10 different clips. Okay. Five of them are of the opening, five of them are of the closing. The problem is, I mean, a little bit when you're working with your media, all that media is going to look the same to me because it's just going to be your talking head on camera, no matter what. Mm. But if yep. you can spend some time organizing your media, saying, okay, I'm going to group these five clips together into a folder or into a, a, a grouping and call it the opening of the video. Then I'm going to take these other five clips and I'm going to group them into a folder called closing. The mental Ish, the mental uh, um, energy you have to spend at the end of the day is going to be much, much less because everything's kind of in a good place in your project. And again, I, I, each program is going to use different formats, whether it's folders or whether they allow you to tag media to group it together. Whatever that organization tool is in that software, get comfortable with it and get good at it because it does save you a lot of time trying to put together what you want to shoot. Uh, or what you want to edit um, may not be as applicable if you've just got one video clip and you just want to add some titles to it and a little music and that's it. But if you've got a lot of footage or a lot of different um, types of footage or different scenes of footage, having an organization in place is really going to make a big difference. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good tip. I think that's probably a good tip for uh, lots of different editing of media that you would do music files, uh, you know, even photos, trying to really get your tagging and titling system system down, organization system, because it yeah. it can be a nightmare. 
Now your example of your example of taking, you know, video of me doing a presentation may not be a good one because obviously my first run would be perfect. You wouldn't really no need for five runs of that. But I I see where you're going with it, right? With someone who may be less experienced, um, yeah, you might have to get multiple runs on a particular video to to get perfection. So Mm -hmm. I can see Mm -hmm. the need for organization in that situation. Right. Yeah, I'm just going to let that <laughs> let that roll. So, because uh, I know that could be probably pretty far from the truth. So, um, yeah. So, okay. So, once you've got your media organized, all right. So, you feel like you've got a good place where you're like, all right, here's my video clips, here's my photos, here's my music. I've got everything brought in that I could possibly want to use to edit this video together. The basic idea of video editing is you are taking your media. And you're creating uh, markers or points on it. And it's basically, you, you sometimes refer to them as the in and out points. So again, Brian, going back to your example, where I've got a clip of you recording an intro to this presentation. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's 10 seconds at the beginning where you're kind of getting situated, you're ruffling your papers, whatever it may be. And then you actually start talking. Um, we want to set an end point for when we want that clip to start and an out point for when we want it to end. We're not technically deleting the footage before and after. It's still on that media. It's just we're now telling the video software, hey, look, when we put this video together, I don't want you to show the first 10 seconds. I want you to start where I marked it as an end point, and I want you to end this clip where I marked it as an out point. So basically, if you've got 20 clips that you want to put together, and you've set the end and out point for each of those clips, and you've now adding it to a timeline... And basically this timeline is showing you from zero seconds all the way to the end of your video. It's going to play those clips in the order you drop them in your timeline. And it's going to use the in and out points to show how much of the clip it's going to use. That is, that is basic editing. And again, it works fairly similar in iMovie as it does in, in Microsoft photos, final cut and premiere pro. You are taking media clips in your library, setting an in and out point, dropping them or placing them on a timeline. And that timeline is your master edited video. And you could have 50 clips in a row. You could have two clips. doesn't matter. And each clip could be of any length you need it to be based on what you said. And that's when you start building a timeline. Okay. It's cutting and it's placing footage into a timeline. Now you may watch that and say, um, yeah, okay. I got the basics in there. I mean, I, I, we, we, we visited five different places on our trip. I got a clip of each of those five places. That's basically what I wanted to have happen. But, you know, you play it back and you watch it and you say, oh, I feel like this shot maybe went on a little too long or this clip. So in the timeline, you're able to go and trim a certain clip. You can make it a little shorter. You can make it a little longer. Um, that's why it didn't get rid of that original media file because it may still need to go back and add some of that footage back in. But it's really kind of polishing your timeline at that point. It's like watching your video over and over again and finding out if there's some shots that went on too short, too long. If there were some really abrupt cuts between them, you know, and you want to soften that up a little bit by trimming a little bit on one clip or another. That's really where, you know, you're just watching this timeline and you're just adding some, some polish to it. Um, at this point, you normally are going to add some effects or you're going to add some music 
Are you going to add other things? I always like to add the video clips first and kind of get them in the right sequence so I know how long the video is going to be. I know where everything is. I know where there's some great moments where I may want to have certain musical cues to hit. Um, I put all that together and I kind of have the video where I want it. And then I go back and add the sound or music <clears throat> to help complement that. Then I also will look at editing any text or graphics or photos that are going to overlay the video at that point too. Um, editing, you know, can be a little bit of a personal uh, preference of how you do it. You know, different people are going to have different styles for editing video uh, and people can get pretty passionate about their editing software and really bent out of shape if something changes. And it's really because of this creative process you're going through where you're taking all of this media in your library and saying, how do I put it together to tell a story? What shots do I need? How many do I need? Do I need things other than video, like photos, graphics, text, music, um, or do I not? Or does it work on its own? So it is a very personal, creative um, process, and that's why people are so so fixed on the, the, the software they use and not wanting to see that software change or update or get features taken away from it. Yeah. So. So, Alan, let me, uh, if you don't mind, from a from a uh, beginner's perspective, uh, for anybody who is listening, who this would be kind of your first entry into video editing, let me kind of echo one particular point that you made because this one has bitten me in the past, where you might be working in iPhoto or you're working in Final Cut, and what you're doing at that point is you have that project. So you you were very clear about you have a project and the project is where you're bringing all of these components and doing something with it, right? And I think you're going to talk in a minute about how you then create the movie from that. Mm-hmm. One of the problems is people, I don't think, sometimes re- recognize that that project is what you need to save in order to be able to do things with it in the future. And I've made that mistake before where I've made my video, saved my video, I've got it couple of years later, I realized I'd actually like to use that again, but I'd like to make the transition different, or I'd like to bring in, you know, the video I was using before and realize, oh, wait a minute, this is the final video. It's not the pieces to make the video. So it's going to be hard for me to do that again. So, I mean, it's, it's, I, I kind of liken it to, um, so Alan, I know you're, a, you're big into crafts, right? I know you kind of bedazzle things and you make, you know, all sorts of, you know, bows and doilies and things like that. So when you sit yeah, down, check out, uh, check out my Etsy store at <laughs> Etsy.com backslash brothers in tech. <laughs> so that's like you sitting down at your craft table, bringing yeah. in your ribbons, bringing in your, your diamonds, your studs, all this kind of stuff. And then saying, all right, cool. I'm going to take a picture of what I just made and then throwing the whole desk away. And you've got yep. the picture and later you say, oh, I'd like to make a slightly different thing. You can't do it. You yeah. can't do it, right? You need that table back. You need all the things that are there. And that's what the project is. So I think it's, it is important for people to remember, you got to save your project somewhere, which by the way, is going to take a lot of space because that's a lot of video clips, not what you just ex- exported or what, not, what you created as the project. This is all the things you are adding to begin with. So that requires space and that needs to be there if you want to do anything different with that project in the future. So just a reminder for people. You're right. No, you're exactly right. And that has, that, that has tripped up a lot of people before and kind of related to that. I'm going to get to something that really, I want you to pay attention to as well in the tip here in a moment related to that very similar type of thing that people don't always realize when editing video on their computer. Um, But before I do that, let me just, uh, the last step of the process, 
is like you mentioned, kind of that exporting or sharing of your movie. You're right. You've edited your movie and yeah, you could bring people over to your computer and you could play it inside your editing software and say, Hey, look, here's my movie. And you could see it, but um, you have to be able to, obviously you want to get it in a format that other people can now see it, or you can play it on a TV or you can send it or post it up somewhere or upload it to YouTube, whatever it may be. And you don't want to share your project. You don't want to share the project file, right? Because they can really, they can edit it. Yeah. Right. The only way you share a project file is if somebody else has that exact same software. Right. And you give them that entire project file, then they can open it up and play it as well. But really what you want to do is you want to export it into a singular movie. So basically you're taking the whole thing you edited, all the shots put together, and you got some music running along the bottom. You've got some text. you got some graphics. Uh, and you say, I want to export this as a movie. It's going to create a movie file, a singular movie file that is going to be a perfect representation of what you just edited. Like Brian said, it is not going to, that file alone does not give you the power to go and edit that video any further. It is a flat edited piece at that point that you've exported out. But the great thing is that means now you can put it on Dropbox and send people links to it where they can watch it. You can send it even as a text message if it's not a terribly large file. You can uh, put it up on YouTube and upload it. When you go to YouTube and you say, I want to upload a video to my YouTube channel, it's looking for that one single file that you just exported. It's not looking for your project. You don't want to upload your project. It's not going to let you do that. You're going to export, you're going to upload that one exported video you did. So that's where exporting is really important. And you got to export it in a format. They typically, these software packages will let you export as kind of a standard video file, which for most cases is going to do fine. But you typically will also have options. Do you want to export it as a higher quality movie or as a lower quality movie? Do you want to export it as a movie that's good for playing on your mobile phone? Or do you want one that's good for playing on your large HD TV set? And it will basically create a file that is going to match that quality of that setting. Um, this is where I'm talking about if you brought in a whole bunch of 4K footage, but then when you get ready to export the video, you say, well, just export it as a standard definition 480 uh, video. It's going to take all that beautiful footage and crush it down into a much, much smaller frame size, much lower quality. It's going to look very different, but it will also give you the smallest possible file size that you'd be able to use to share with other people. So you have a trade-off. You can export it at the full resolution you've got, the full 4K. It's just going to be a huge file. Um, or you could change a lower quality and get it down to a smaller file. Regardless, this used to be a lot harder process. I think I mentioned a few weeks ago, we talked about compression and formats and codecs of video. It used to be so complex to figure out how to share a video file with somebody on another platform, um, different computer systems. Nowadays, it's not really that bad. MPEG-4 is a pretty good standard for most uh, applications. And that's going to be the default setting in most places that the video editor software is going to try to export that video for. So, But pay attention to those settings when you do export the video and make sure you're not doing something too large or too small than what you really want to want to do. And Alan, I assume this is the same tips that you gave back when you uh, said to grab video is you record, record video at kind of the highest rate that you possibly can and the best quality because you can always shrink it down. When you export, I'm assuming if you want to use this in lots of different ways, you export as a large version, then other people potentially could then trim it down for their uses, right? I mean, because 
you, I guess, if you made it, you can go back to the project. You can go back to the you can go back to the craft uh, table and make something smaller. But if you were sharing your video with someone who then was going to promote it for you and potentially put it on different media, give them a bigger one and let yeah. them then export it in smaller sizes, right? You can't go the reverse. They can't take the small one and then make a 4K out of it. So No, exactly, exactly right. So yes, once you've exported that video and you've given it to somebody, they are not able to take that and upsize it yep. quality or size-wise. They can only go at that level or down. So you're right. If uh, you know, I'm always for trying to send somebody the highest quality master export video I can, as long as they've got the bandwidth and speed yeah. where they can get the file from me and work with it. Um, going to YouTube, for example, um, you know, YouTube will let you upload any type of video quality wise, and then it's going to basically knock it down to a couple different quality levels for viewers to be able to choose from. So in that regard, I say upload the highest quality video to YouTube. You can, as long as you don't mind it taking longer to upload it, because then YouTube will say, okay, great. I'm going to create a 4k version of this video, just like they ex ex gave me. But I'm also going to make a standard HD version and I'm going to make a standard definition version of it so people can choose what quality level they want to watch. So if you only went in with a uh, 480 standard definition video that you exported, that's the only level YouTube is going to be able to give to viewers. Viewers can't say, well, I want to see this in HD because one doesn't exist. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. Totally. Cool. So that's the process. You shoot your video, you bring your video footage and other media into your project. You create your timeline by marking your footage in and out points. You drop your footage into a timeline to make a sequence. You polish it up by making it look and sound good with a, a titles and effects if you need it. Again, it's going to vary from program to program, but they all have some of those capabilities. And then it's all about exporting it and sharing it, exporting it into a single movie file that now people can can use and share and upload and do other things with. So Brian, once you've got that process in mind, and I know I, I spoke to it very, very broadly, there's a lot of minutia in between those processes, but you know, in general, that's going to cover the, the, the overall uh, 50 foot view of video editing. There are some tips though. I kind of wanted to share that I feel like are also fairly universal for any kind of video you may be working on any kind of software at any level. All right. The first one of those tips is what we were just talking about a minute ago. It's all about file management. So here's, here's an interesting thing in final cut pro, for example, when you import footage into your project file, uh, there's actually a, a preference setting. Uh, when you import that footage in, you can say, do I want you to actually copy the media that you're importing into my project file? Meaning I'm going to, physically copy and make a duplicate copy of that footage in my project file? Or do I want you to leave that media file where it is on your computer and I just reference it? Okay. Meaning I'm not going to make my project file any bigger size wise. I'm just going to, the project's just going to point to, Hey, there's a video footage file on his desktop that he we're using in this project. We're leaving it on his desktop, but we're just going to point to it. Hmm. Or am I going to import it all into this library and have everything self-contained in one file? There's pros and cons there, but you got to know what you're doing because I've seen it too many times where somebody left that setting to say, I want to leave the video footage wherever it is on my computer and just reference it. Well, that means that video file needs to stay in that location 
whenever you're working on that video project. So in other words, if you say, oh, I'm going to put it in a folder or I'm going to move it to another folder, all of a sudden now your video software has said, um, I don't know where that file is anymore, so I can't make your video. But if you bring it all in to your library project, you're going to make your library project that much bigger. And you basically have duplicate versions of your video footage laying around. So you just got to decide your approach and kind of be, be consistent and knowledgeable about it. Um, know that if video is automatically being imported into these projects you're creating, whether it's iMovie or anywhere else, just know that it's inflating size on your hard drive. It is growing the, the space requirements on your hard drive, on your computer. And you just need to be mindful of that because um, it doesn't take a lot to work on a video project and have footage imported into your library project and or, or your project file. And all of a sudden your file is huge and it's eating up a lot of space on your computer and you got to start figuring out how to move some other stuff off. So, so file management is extremely important. It has tripped up a lot of people when working on projects of all sizes. So just know where your media is and know how it's being used and make sure it stays where it needs to stay for editing your video. You just, you just want to talk about backup, don't you? I mean, you want to go back and talk about backing up the files and make sure they're all in the same place, but we're not, we're not going back there, Alan. I know that's your happy place, but we're not going back. I am, I am fighting. I am fighting it right now. I, uh, I have bit my lip a couple of times. I'm man, I'm so tough to talk about backups. <laughs> Fine. We won't cover backups. If you like backups as much as I do, please go back and re review the backup episodes we did. There's four of them four episodes about backup. And Alan was super, super pumped about it too. <laughs> I was, it was great. Um, Brian, do you, uh, you know, I think we talked about this even with uh, shooting video or even shooting photos, but I know there's a lot of temptation with a lot of these video editing software packages to add a lot of effects to your yeah. video. Yep. And I mean, just be realistic with it. I mean, I'm asking you as a viewer watching your videos to please go easy on the effects and use them as truly appropriate and not just because you can. Um, that was the temptation. I know when video cameras started having these cool effects, you could apply on your video right off the bat. Every time I ever got a new video editing software, I was always applying new effects and trying out different looks and you don't always need it. So just be mindful of the effects, go easy on them. Don't, don't overuse them. Don't use them just because they're there. Uh, video is extremely effective sometimes without needing any other enhancement if you've got good footage to work with. So you're saying don't use stars or balloons going across the screen every transition from scene to scene. You're saying Star white and we're out. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, um, I, I'm not saying – I am saying that. I'm saying don't yeah. use them. Yeah. Um, I know it's tempting, and I know it's cool to say, oh, look, I can apply a – uh, old fifties TV static effect to my, to my video. Well, if it fits, I mean, if that's what you're going for and that's a clip that works for it, great, but don't do it just because it's there. Um, yep. Have it meet, have it play for a purpose, I guess is what I'm saying when it comes to effects. And then also, man, everybody forgets audio. Everybody for when you're editing a video, especially like a home video, everybody forgets their audio. They focus some people focus so much on editing the video and you just take whatever audio you've got with it that when you actually start to play it back for people or showing it up on a TV, sometimes the audio becomes very tough for people that are watching because you didn't pay a lot of attention to it. Um, you can cut audio just like you cut video. 
There's normally some audio enhancement tools or effects in these video uh, software packages that will let you sweeten your audio. Maybe if uh, somebody's talking, it'll try to enhance their voice a little bit to make it sound a little better. Um, and then you can always add music in the background underneath your other uh, audio to kind of make things flow a little nicer. Um, so just be mindful of your audio. Don't take it for granted. Just know that, you know, even though you want your video to look good, um, people, people can be unforgiving when it comes to audio, uh, watching a video, you almost can kind of forgive someone if the video quality is not the best in the world, as long as the audio sounds pretty good. But when you have bad audio with really, really good video, it's actually more distracting than not. So, um, just pay attention to the audio. Um, so Alan, this is a, a, a legitimate question that I have because I don't know how this works. Uh, but sometimes you, you have different media types. Uh, an example of if it used to be, you play one CD in your, in your car and at the volume of 10 and it's incredibly loud, you play another CD at the volume of 10 and it's incredibly low. That used to be very frustrating that things were being recorded at different levels. Now that's the case a lot of times with video where I'm watching TV. My wife says, Hey, I'm going to stream this, this video from my phone up here, take a look at this. And now what the volume of, you know, 20, which is what we normally listen on becomes way too loud. So is that because when you created that video, you overdid the audio or is there a way to double check and see what the standard sound level noise level is? Yeah, no, you're right. So basically if you, if you recorded really, really loud audio and you edited it and you left it as very, very loud audio, and you export that video out, that video is going to have very, very loud audio. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. just, it is. And that now, and loud audio means the level of 20, which normally is comfortable to listen to, is now potentially unbearable, right? Yeah. That's right. Okay. The good news is that when you're editing your video, you will almost always, you always have with these tools an opportunity to raise or lower the audio, audio level of your audio clips. So in a lot of times I use, for example, I've got an audio meter in my program, Final Cut Pro, where I know that, hey, I want my audio to always kind of fall within a certain range because that's the normal standard broadcast range. If I have my audio falling in that range, it's going to sound comparable to other audio videos that may be out there. Okay. So I always kind of look for that and kind of set a standard. And you know, I've even gotten to the point where sometimes I just have another piece of video that somebody else made that is like maybe a network video or something on TV and listen to the audio level and try to make sure the audio level I'm editing is at a similar level. Yeah. That's a little rudimentary, but it works. It's just kind of eyeballing the audio to make sure you're not too soft or too low or too high. Cause you're right. If you push out a video that's super soft, then people got to crank up their stereos or home theater systems to listen to it. And then they've got it at that high level. The next video that pops up, you didn't make is a, yep. at a different at the standard level. You're blaring them out now. So do pay attention to it and pay attention to the audio levels. Now, some tools, when you export the video, will do something called normalizing the audio. Maybe that's an option you click or maybe a feature you can turn on. And what that tries to do is say, okay, look, I'm going to listen to your video. And if there's some really, really high volume levels and then there's some really soft places, I'm going to try my best to kind of balance it out to make all the audio an equal, nice, manageable level for the video. It's called normalizing. Uh, it's called, uh, I know some programs will do that as part of their export process if you tell them to. 
And uh, even if not, there's actually some online tools that will let you just upload a video to their web to their website, and they will normalize that audio for you and do all of the processing to make that audio level a very comparable level to most everything that you find yeah. on Apple Music, on podcast, or wherever else it may be. You know. So um, yeah, but you're right. Audio levels are important, so you definitely want to pay attention to those. And the best way to try it is export your video and play it back on yep. your own computer. If it's super loud, you had to turn your volume way down to, to, to listen to it or too soft, then go back to your actual uh, project and that you're editing and raise or lower the audio level of your audio clips to make it work right. Uh, music. Music's a consideration. Everybody loves to put music in their videos. I do too. I love it. But uh, keep in mind, you know, you can't just go download or, or drop a music clip from uh, your audio library, your music CD collection and drop it into your video and then expect to be able to put it up on YouTube or some other big video sharing site because it will get blocked or it will get warned or it will get something repercussion to it. Copyright implications are real. I mean, they are, you know, people protect their music online. So uh, if you have a royalty-free piece of music, that's where you bought something from a service, a, a track, maybe you spent $15, $25 on a music track, you have a license then at that point to use it for certain types of productions. And generally personal home videos are, will be absolutely covered. Um, even smaller corporate work will be covered by some of these royalty free licenses. So uh, play, pay attention to music. Some of these editing software tools we have uh, actually have some pre-canned music that you can pick and choose that obviously doesn't won't cost you a dime. And it's obviously very uh, easy to use. But if you can bring in your own music, maybe music you recorded, maybe uh, music somebody else wrote and gave you permission to use, you have a lot of options on how to use music. Just be mindful of it. Now, I think there's uh, some rule that if you play a, a real, a, a true popular piece of music for maybe 10, 15 seconds, um, you know, you're probably going to be okay. Yeah. But if you do a lot longer than that, it's, it's going to be a problem. I use, uh, for royalty-free music, my favorite site right now is Pond5. Mm, that's P-O-N-D, yep. P-O-N-D, the number five. Pond5. That's right. Yeah, uh, They put the watermark on there until you buy the track. But um, but Pond5 actually does video. Uh, you can buy stock video. You can buy stock sound effects. But music, they're really good at too. <clears throat> so that's where we get all of our music tracks when we just need a good uh, royalty-free, meaning we don't have to worry about any kind of uh, – copyright violations. And as long as we buy the right license for the right type of production we're using, then we're covered and we don't have to worry about it. And it's some really high quality music tracks. You can listen to the tracks. You can download a preview version to put in your video just to see how it's going to sound. It's just the preview version does have this audio watermark, just like Brian demonstrated for us. The pond five words will be embedded in the audio every so often. Uh, but it's great for just playing around with it to say, how's this going to sound in my video? And I love doing that and trying out four or five different songs to see what works. That was super cool. You, you turned me on to that as we found our, <clears throat> our, uh, theme song for brothers in yeah. tech. Right. And, and that was incredibly cool to know that people had made these, uh, little kind of music clips and would allow you to kind of grab them and make them your own. So that was, that was very cool. Yeah. The last tip I'm going to give you, and again, I kind of alluded to this a minute ago already, but it's so important and I just cannot stress it enough. 
you may be wa- uh, editing your video on your phone. That's great. I edit your video on your phone. If you like editing on your phone, that is great. Where do you want this video to be played though? Do you want it to be played on your TV set? Okay, well, before you start sending it out to everybody in the world to start seeing, watching it on their TV set, you need to watch it on that TV set or a TV set as well and see how it looks because it's amazing how sometimes a video that will play really well on one format or sound really good in one place does not in another. And if you really want to share your video with people and make sure it's going to be perceived and taken as well as possible, you need to actually play it in the setting that you want people to be watching it in. Uh, I've sat here on my laptop and edited a video with canned headphones on. And I think, man, this audio sounds really good. This is great. And then I go and play it on my home stereo system on my TV set. And I'm like, Oh, actually, no, it's not that great. It's a little echoey and it's, or, or I thought the video quality looked good, but man, it actually is really pixelated. So I must've done something wrong when I exported it. So just eat your own dog food, you know, play, play it on your own device that you're going to want to see people playing it on before you go and uh, share it with the world, upload it to YouTube and set it as a private video on your YouTube channel. So only you can see it and watch it, watch it on a computer, watch it on your tablet, watch it on your TV and just see if uh, something doesn't work right. And then you always can go back to your project and revise it, refine it before you go and share it to the world. So, um, just a little, you know, unfortunately, I've gotten burned way too many times on that myself. So I just uh, wanted to share that knowledge as I could. Alan, it, it kind of sounds like a lot of your tips require me to think and work in advance. And that is just a bad move. So I, uh, I know. I was a little worried about sharing those tips with you, Brian, because I know your eyes tend to glaze over when you hear that you have to do something. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, us prepping for the show. Normally I'm just looking at your dead eyes on the screen, just kind of glazed over as I talk about all the things we should explain in this, this episode. So uh, just got to wing it, just got to wing it, but <laughs> pay for it later. Yeah. Boy, that's true. Better ask for it. It takes some extra work, but again, and hey, look, if you're just wanting to, if somebody did a great dive off a diving board or a, a cannonball jump and you shot it and it looks cool and you just want to share it with people and you don't have to worry about all this stuff. Just, Shoot it on your iPhone. There's a way to share the video. Maybe trim it a little bit on the phone. Send it out. You're fine. Awesome. But if you really want to do something, uh, put together a memorable keepsake video, you want to do something that you know, maybe you shot a wedding and you really want to put it together for the bride and groom as something nice, um, you know, you take some time. You got tools yeah. to work with. But again, uh, watch what you did. You know, watch, watch it back yourself. Really, really see how it turned out. And make sure you you made the best use of the tools you've got uh, to do. So, Put in so that's, okay, got that, it. That video editing is a process. So, yeah. yeah. Wow, I feel like I learned a lot, Alan. This is, uh, yeah, this was good. This was good. Okay. Yeah. All right. I did. Well, it it was broad. I mean, that's the thing is I know that there's a lot of different tools out there for editing videos and even different philosophies when it comes to editing video, but. Uh, that's the basics. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing with video editing is just practice makes perfect, man. It, it's, uh, a lot of these tools, especially the iMovies and the, the Microsoft photos will do everything in their power to make your video look as good as possible. It will help you apply automatic effects and transitions. It'll make really great stylized text on it. So it's going to make it look good to the best of its ability, but it's still a garbage in garbage out process. If you, don't have good media to work with. If you didn't get good footage, you were happy with 
you can edit it the best you can, but it's still going to be a, it's going to be a tougher process. So I still say shoot good stuff, bring it in, edit and keep working on the edit and, uh, you know, be a Steven Spielberg and know that maybe the video is never really actually done. You're going to always go back and add more special additions to it, or you're going to revise it and cut out, you know, swap out the guns with walkie talkies, whatever it may be. And that's what, that's what people do with their videos. And that's fine. So you need to keep your craft table intact, right? That's right. Project intact. Very nice. In all seriousness, I buy external drives and what I do when I'm done with a video project and I don't want it sitting on my computer anymore or my laptop because it does take up a lot of room. If I'm kind of done and I say done with quotes because I may still bring it up later, but if it's more or less done, I will take that entire project file, copy it to an external drive. It is now saved there. Uh, and if somebody ever came up down the road and said, Hey, can we make some changes or, 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 I, or me personally, I just said, look, I want to, I learned how to do a cool new effect and I want to add it back to that video. You want to add stars. Yeah, exactly. I can add a new star wipe to it. I bring the, the hook, the drive up and I'll either work off the drive if I can, or I'll copy that project back into my computer, work on it and then send it back again. So, uh, I, I don't like throwing away any projects personally. So, yeah. All right. Cool. That is video editing, and that is actually video for our four episodes. So we're done with this topic, Brian, but we've got uh, one more thing yet. to do. Yes, hmm? but yet. One last thing. One. one last thing. What is it called? Brothers in tech, our Brothers in Tech Suggestions. The bits. Which is the, the bits. Yeah, love that. Still, uh, one of the best things, still one of the best things you've ever done. So, Brian, I, I will agree. I, I, before we get into our bits, I did uh, regale you last episode with a new toy that I played with on our recording system. So, here, I just want to try out something new. Can you, um, can you again say that we're going to now do our brothers and tech suggestion? It's now time for our world famous bits. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Well, All right. So that's I, good. That, that's awesome. But I'm wondering why you sat on that. Cause I've said several things this, this episode that would have been clap worthy. So where have you been sitting on that? I mean, my, my crap. <laughs> okay. Now, now, now I'm glad you sat on it. Thank you. <laughs> was that price is right? What was that? It was, it was, uh, it was. Price is right. Wah, 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 wah. So good. So good. Yeah, I, 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 have a I was waiting for the right time to play that. <laughs> I'm going to hear that a lot from here on, aren't I? Uh, <laughs> All right, well, Brian, well, do you want to go first? Yeah, you tell let me, let me jump in since this is not my area uh, and it actually took a little bit of work for me to, to think through a bit. Um, and I had a couple uh, of different bits that I was, what I was going to go with. Um, but I kind of changed gears a little bit as you were talking Well, one, because I spaced out, but, uh, I also, I, I thought, you know what, there's some, there's some other things that I wouldn't mind sharing, uh, in terms of my use of video editing, which is at a low level, but, uh, one, I'm going to give one app and then I'm going to have one real quick little tip. Um, so the app I'm going to, I'm going to recommend is Lumen five, Lumen five, um, is something I've I played around with just a little bit, but uh, it's kind of a, a unique way of doing very simple, uh, simple video editing. And what it does is it takes a kind of a blog format. So you've got information that like a story, right? You've got like a storyboard that you want to uh, present to somebody with video. So let's say you want to, well, 
I hate to say it this way, but you probably have seen these before, right? You've seen these videos that get posted on Facebook and on social media where you're watching the video and there is text that is kind of continuing to go across the screen to tell you this story. But what Lumen 5 does is kind of cool is you, you basically just say, here's my text. And then you say, let me throw in some video here. And it kind of starts to match them up. And it'll create a really kind of little simple transition to be able to give these memes or video memes where it's just giving you information in a very simplified, almost cartoonish sort of way. Um, yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. It's a great way to, to utilize video for social media. Um, and, you know, uh, the nice part about it is there's a community level uh, for pricing, which is free. And, you know, it just limits you to only doing three videos a month. Um, it does have a watermark. It keeps it to 720p, but it allows you to go and play with it and decide if that's something you want to do. And then at that point, it's $20 a month if you decide to go with kind of a, a starter level. But I thought that was pretty cool, kind of a different way rather than just taking, you know, hey, I want to create my own video. If you want a very simple way of getting your message across with video, um, I think that's uh, that's kind of a cool thing to do. Have you used that, Alan? I haven't. I'm not no. familiar with it at all. But yeah, I love some of these tools that are out there now where we're just making simple yep. Yep. Uh, social media friendly video clips kind yep. of uh, ready to go is really what we're looking at. Things yep. that use a lot of text and pop ups and other things to get people's attention on your video. I, I, I love them. And I love yep. any of the tools that kind of make that easier as well. Well, in our in our attention spans now, you know, with social media, is grab sorry, our. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, you may squirrel, squirrel. Let me. Okay. Yeah, I don't for a second. What'd you say? <laughs> you know, we wanted something that looks flashy, right? And and a lot of people will throw text up there and feel like they have to work a little too hard to get video. The other thing I wanted to, to give, and it, it's not an app. Um, it's more of a, uh, if you look at my last three weeks and you say, have you done any video editing? I have, but I've done it in a very uh, odd way. And so we're doing all of our teaching on Zoom, which I think a lot of people are now. They're doing their uh, education through Zoom. They're doing their meetings through Zoom. And uh, one of the things that I had to let some of my colleagues know about that they weren't aware of was that, you know, I go into a classroom, I get there, you know, say 10 to 15 minutes early, I set up Zoom, I go ahead and get my Zoom room open, I get the class started, and then my students start to file in. But it's already recording everything that I'm doing, because I have it set to record automatically to the cloud, so I never forget. So it, it records my whole session to Zoom's cloud. And then what I try to do afterwards is take my video and then share it with my class through whatever online system so they can go in and watch that video if they miss class. But there's that 10 minutes at the beginning that was just me setting up behind the webcam and stuff that I don't, don't want there. Normally, you'd have to download the video from Zoom, open up QuickTime, trim it out, export it again, go and upload somewhere else. But if you are someone that uses Zoom, open the video up in Zoom. Zoom has its own video uh, player. There's a little crop feature on the vi on the video itself. You go and slide the crop over and say, first 10 minutes there, crop it, save. And then when you share your link to have them watch from, that, uh, from Zoom's website, it only shows what has been cropped. It doesn't actually get rid of it from the video. It just... Yeah allows you to crop. You can't do any other editing, but for me, it's been 
the best thing because it saves me about four steps of having to download, upload, all of that. So anyway, yeah. you may not be very keen on kind of saving to the cloud through Zoom, just like people don't like saving it to Google and all that stuff. But the fact that I'm doing it, you know, three times a day uh, is oh, nice okay. to know automatically. The volume of what you're doing and, and how often you got to do it, it just makes the workflow just makes perfect sense yeah. there. So yeah, absolutely. So that's just yeah. a little tip. You know, if you're something you're using Zoom, you can crop in there without having to, to export it out and just share the link. So, yeah, I, 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 in the past used to always have to just download people's zooms recordings and do the, some little editing to it myself. And I have used the trimming a couple of times before for people and it's, yeah. it's a lifesaver for a lot yeah, of them. For sure. Right. All right. What do you got, Alan? Mine, mine, uh, this is our third deep dive off a of video. So the, this is the deepest of the deep dives. Deep, deep, deep. So I'm going to go a little, little more pro level, but I do think there's some good use of this, even from a, a personal level as well. Okay. So um, if you're working in Final Cut Pro or you're working in Adobe Premiere, um, it's great. You can edit your videos. You have all the tools in front of you. You can make some great professional video. However, let's say you want to work with somebody else on that video. Okay. It's not very easy to do because like we just described, everything's in this one project file. So for me to say, I can't like give that project file to somebody. And then we're both working on the same video. Now we've created two copies and we're working on separate videos. So to collaborate with somebody on video is, is always a little challenging because, it, you know, there's no way to just do the high-end video editing on a website where everybody can then collaborate like a Google Doc or something. We're not quite there yet. I think we'll be there in a few years, but we're yeah. not quite there yet. So right now there's a tool or a service called frame.io. So F-R-A-M-E dot I-O. And it is a plug-in tool for, and you can get it for either Final Cut Pro on the Mac, or you can get it for Adobe Premiere on either Mac or Windows. And it is a, a plug-in tool that will work inside of your program. And what it allows you to do is take any of the footage that you have in your library or a edited project you've got in your, your, your library, and you're basically sharing it with somebody else. So they're now able to go and view the footage. They can make notes on the footage or on the timeline that you created. And you basically can collaborate with them on editing the video. I, I take it for this example. So, you know, here I'm in North Carolina. Uh, our sister, our sister in tech, I guess you could say, mm -hmm. lives on the West Coast as well. And she and I sometimes work on videos together. So the challenge has been, since she lives out there now, is that I can't just say, oh, well, uh, let me tell you about all the footage I got. And you tell me what shot do you think I should use in a video? You can't really do that. But now with frame.io, frame I can actually in my Final Cut project say, all right, I'm going to take this whole library of footage I just shot and I'm going to drop it into frame.io. And then in a matter of minutes, she's able to see all the footage in her frame.io window in Final Cut Pro. And then she can go into each clip and say, oh, I like this shot you just did here. And I like where it starts right here. And she can make these notes. And these notes are very time specific on those clips. I am able to see those clips and those notes in real time. So as I'm editing it, then I can be pushing to her and, and a, a finished timeline version of what I just did. And she can look at it and say, oh, let's make the music a little louder or let's do this or that. And it's great because it's the closest thing you can get to real time collaborating on a video. It's like having somebody sitting in the same room 
watching the same stuff you're editing and saying, Ooh, I like that shot or, Hey, can we start that shot a little sooner? They're able to do it, but through a distance and uh, without being in the same room. So uh, frame.io is great. Um, one thing I really like about it is they figured out some sort of technology where when you take your footage and you're going to share it through frame.io, it actually shares it really fast. Like their latest speed text is that they can do five gigabytes of footage in about three minutes. Wow. They can sync up five gigabytes of footage in about three minutes on a good internet line. So that means you're not having to wait overnight for someone to, for you to upload the video footage for somebody to see the next day. You could really honestly say, look, give me five or 10 minutes. And then a little bit of time, you'll see the footage popping up on your frame IO. It's basically sending up like a compressed kind of uh, minimized version of the footage, but it's a high enough quality for them to see and work with and feel like they're able to edit the video as well. It is a free service. If you have two people that are going to use it together, there's a two gigabyte storage limit on how much footage you can have stored up in this little shared frame IO um, library though. So if you want to have a higher storage limit or you want to include more people than two, you do start to pay a monthly fee for it. But if you're just working on a single project or a pretty small project with another person and you both have the same editing software and you want to collaborate on a video, this is the way to do it. It's a great service and great tool for that. So uh, frame.io is the website and the name of the company. Seems like seems like a direction that these lots of software are going to have to start building in right eventually, but this is a great way to, to work around that now. I mean, we can go online and edit a word document or Excel document or PowerPoint collaboratively with multiple people looking at it because those are relatively small files, file size. Video is about the largest thing you could be working on collaborating on file size wise. It'll come to a point at some point in the future where honestly all the video is sitting on a, on a web drive on Dropbox or somewhere like that. And we can still do live video editing on the web and multiple people be able to see it and collaborate on it. We're not there yet. I don't think we're going to be there for quite a while. The bigger the video quality gets, the harder it is to make that kind of uh, system work. The idea of even sharing a 4k video collaboratively and watching it, editing it is there's no way there's no way to do it right now. So at least not from a consumer level for sure. So that's where uh, these tools come in and frameio.io is a really great service. We've enjoyed playing around with it and using it some. I uh, haven't rolled it out to the whole team yet. We're going to be doing that soon because there are three of us that kind of work collaboratively on video projects. And uh, it'll be nice that in this time, especially during the pandemic, you know, we're working from home a lot more. And it's nice to know that we can collaborate on a video project and share that with others and get notes and feedback very easily. So, so this is cross-platform. Right, depending on. I think it's all based on the software product. So if okay. you're using Adobe Premiere Pro, I think as long as you're on Adobe Premiere Pro, I think it works yeah. cross-platform. Nice. So you basically have to choose, do you want to use it for Final Cut? Do you want to use it for Premiere? Uh, or I think there was another, hold on just a second. Um, um, I hate doing this live on the show, but I, I do want to find out for sure. I think there is on Frame.io, you can use this with uh, Final Cut, Premiere Pro. Um, After Effects is another Adobe program right. that's Effects, more yeah. motion graphics, not as much video. Um, and it'll integrate with a lot more. Uh, DaVinci Resolve is like that higher-end editing I talked about. Avid Media Composure is also kind of a 
traditional media editor or video editor has been around for a long time. It'll work with any of those. You just have to kind of download the right app for it to install on your computer and then you're good to go. Very cool. Very yeah, cool. Fun stuff. So uh, Brian, we have put a ribbon title ribbon around the video category. We have talked for four straight episodes about all aspects of digital video. I hope it was helpful for some people. Maybe found useful, maybe found a few things you didn't know before. And Brian, I hope it was helpful for you. It was. It was. Yeah. Yeah. It was. I, uh, concern is, is my brother getting well educated through this, this process? I think you can say check. Yes. Right. Yeah. For, for the parts that you were talking that I listened to, it was really, really good. And uh, okay, I, parts I was listening to, but the ones I did listen to were good. They were really good. So, great to yeah. hear. Well, so Alan, I think yeah. we're ready to wrap it up. So Brian, yeah. if somebody wants to talk to us. They want to dialogue. They want to ask some questions. What do they need to do? Well, they need to, need to send us an email uh, at info at the mesh.tv info at themesh.tv. You can send us your your ideas of how you uh, go about video editing uh, so that we can pass those along or learn something ourselves. Uh, or you can uh, give us some tips on what kind of topics you'd like to see in the future. You know, we've got some new topics started. Thank goodness, you know, now that we get back to something that I actually feel like I can contribute to. And, uh, you know, we'd love to, to hear from you as to, to what you'd like to see us go into in the future. So info at the mesh.tv. That's right. And then also keep in mind too, with this podcast is a part of the mesh.tv podcast network. We have a whole variety of shows up there available all for free. You can subscribe or listen to individual episodes at all of your favorite podcatchers, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher Radio, Spotify. Just started up on um, Amazon, has an Audible podcast, and uh, we are listed on there at, at this point. Yeah, I searched for it, and it is there. So as of yesterday, very cool. Yeah. So uh, anywhere where you can get podcasts, you're pretty much going to find this show. So we encourage you to subscribe if you're not already subscribing. And uh, that ensures that you get new episodes as they're available, downloaded to your podcast player automatically. So, uh, all right, Brian. Well, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up for Alan Jackson. Here we go. And Brian Jackson. (laughs) This is embarrassing. Oh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Can we video edit that? Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.